0: 5th through 7th grader, Brett and Caitlin are in the back, and you can follow them out as well. If you don't have a Bible, slip your hands up, the ushers will bring one to you. We are in Matthew 5, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Um, we are finishing up the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, and, and it's, I'm excited about it, and then also just where Jesus has taken us in this is, is going to be a lot harder, but but real quickly, I guess, I, I just came off a of vacation, and I I love vacation. It's the one time that, I like... I have to leave town for me to actually let down. Otherwise, I think of projects or something else I can do while I'm in town. I was on vacation, and I remember, like, I don't remember when it happened. Maybe when I got back, I just realized how comfortable I was, how relaxing it was, how just this, you kind of just, there's no cares in the world, and you just kind of let go, and then you just hit back to reality. It's like, oh, life, this is fun. But I think, I think the problem is, is that most of us, really, if you look at our life, we want our life to be full of joy and fluffy bunny feeling and, and awesome, soft, nothing hard. Like when we think of life we aren't looking forward to suffering or being attacked by someone else or or it being hard. In fact, we really desire comfort. We desire this life that is that is easy and that is that is without any kind of difficulty. In fact, most of us when we come to pain or, or suffering or or hardship, we either we either fight it or we give up or we just kinda of run from it. Like we most of us really don't look forward. Like we don't wake up and say, I hope today I suffer. Man, I, I hope I hope today is the hardest day ever. Because yes, you know, we aren't really clamoring for that. We aren't looking forward to that. But what's interesting is as we end the Beatitudes, that's exactly where Jesus goes. See he he basically he basically says, if you live by these first seven beatitudes, the promise is this eighth one, which is persecution. If you, if you live a life that, that is, is, is marked by Christ, then, then I can promise you, blessed will you be because you are going to suffer. See, I think a lot of us, we, we think of Jesus as a, our Savior, and we, we love him, and he's, he's just, you know, he, he, he condones everything, and we just need, everyone needs to feel, you know, loved, and, and he does love everyone, and that's great, but we think that because of that, there should be no hardship and, and life shouldn't be difficult. We the, the call to following Christ is die to yourself daily. That doesn't sound super easy. In fact, there's scripture upon scripture upon scripture over and over and over again that talks about the difficulty of being a follower of Jesus. So that hits in the face of us right now, which is most of us that are like me in my vacation, we're comfortable. I mean, life isn't super hard. We're not dealing with a lot of struggles. Some of us are, we're in the middle of some suffering and some struggles and some trials, and we'll, we'll get there in a second. But, but most of us, most of us are actually have a pretty easy, comfortable life, and I would even argue that most of our trials or t- suffering that we're in right now has little to do with Christ and a lot to do with our own poor choices. But see, Jesus, he, he weaves this, this, this message, this blessing, this promise of blessing, and you're know, you poor in spirit, and then you know, you're, you're, you're mourn, and you're meek, and, and if, you, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, and he weaves all these things in, and this is the, the last beatitude we get to. And, and it, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of differences about it. So I'm just going to, we're going to go through all of them again real quickly before we end it. And then um, the great thing is after we get out a blessing, we get into um, a bunch of punches in the throat by Jesus, which is awesome, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. It's difficult. Um, remember this, as he, as he punches you in the throat, remember this, this has to sit here. Everything that Jesus is talking about in the blessings and the Beatitudes, everything that he's talking about in the Sermon on the Mount, all of it begins with our heart our heart position, not, not what I do. I do because of what my heart is or the condition of my heart. My heart dictates what I'm capable of doing. So he, he is always an advocate. We, we talked about pure in heart and how everything's centered around the idea that, that our heart is what will dictate and change and charge what our actions are. If you're just doing a bunch of stuff with Christ without the heart, then it's just, it's just filthy rags. That, that's righteousness on your own self. Okay, so the, beatitude, or the, the Sermon on the Mount begins, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them. He began to say, Blessed are, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are, are, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so Jesus, Jesus takes his turn. And this would, have been, this would have made sense to them because most of the people felt this, this persecution in, in one form or another, but they were, it was more as Jewish people because the Romans ruled. But, but, but as we see through the rest of the, the New Testament and, and the rest of, of history, persecution set in really hard for these people around Nero and some of the other um, emperors of the time past there. It was, it was difficult to follow Christ. And, and, and this persecution happened. But Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount saying, basically, look, the first three were you emptying yourself, in spirit, and mourning, and, and meekness, and then you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it's out of that hunger he begins to fill you with mercy, and he fills you with, with a pure heart, and he fills you with, with peacemaking. And if you do this, and here's the thing, if you are those things, then blessed are you because you will be persecuted. The word persecute, is it, it means continuous attack from someone else. And usually it's done because of a, a cause or a belief. And so in this case, it's, it's the belief in Jesus that he's talking about, because he says, you will be persecuted for righteousness. In fact, the first one, it's interesting, this, this beatitude has some, some intriguing differences than the rest of them. One is it's the longest one. It's the only one that actually has a command in it. The rest of the beatitudes are just blessed in the idea, but he has a command where he says rejoice. He commands us to rejoice in it. It's, it's also the only one that, that Jesus repeats, and it's the only one addressed directly to the reader. See, he says at the beginning, blessed are those, but then he says, blessed are you. He changes it to make us think, okay, this is ending. He, he re-explains it. He talks about persecution in two ways. It, it's, it's a longer one than the other ones, and then he, he points it right at, he says, blessed are you. It makes us kind of pause on this and think about this more on an individual level. Like, what does this mean to you what does this mean to me see and he uses he uses first he says blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness and then he says blessed are those that are reviled against or, or uttered all kinds of evil or uttered falsely against them in my name on my account so jesus uses righteousness and himself as synonymously <laughs> he uses them the same so our righteousness is in christ uh, and christ is righteous And so he's saying, look, you, if you're in me, if you're part of, if if you're of Christ, you are righteous. We talked about that before. We are are made righteous. We are called righteous not by anything we do, but because of what he did for us on the cross. But because of that, you shall be persecuted. Which is such an interesting thing because most of us, we think about persecution. Like I said, I don't think any of you woke up today going, I I need to sneak into this building because if someone catches me, I'm going to prison. No, we're we're in a pretty easy country. I, 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 not like some, oh, God bless America, but but he's allowed us to have the freedom to do this, and we'll talk about it a little bit. There's there's not that freedom around the world, but there's there's three kind of persecutions he talks about. First, he says persecution twice he uses that word, and again persecution. That word is usually used as physical attack. Perse- to per- persecute someone is this continuous physical attack or death. It can also be used for extreme, um, extreme measures, like extreme, like today what we see, extreme imprisonment, like that happened in their time too, where Paul would be thrown into prison because he kept talking about Christ. Um, but it, it could be discrimination or rights taken away. But then he uses, he uses the word revile, and that is if someone were to look at you and to, to utter negative things directly to your face, to come into you and they would yell at you because of something. They would yell at you, be, in this case, it's because of Christ or righteousness. They would attack you face-to-face. But then he uses the word utters all kinds of false things at you, evil things at you falsely. And that is the idea of gossip or slander behind your back. So it's someone saying stuff about you that is false, but not to your face, but behind your back, but in the name of Christ. And he gives you two Two key elements to being blessed, and this is important because a lot of you right now, you're like, yeah, I have people saying all sorts of kind of bad stuff about me, or, you know, I, I, this is really hard, and, and, and here's the two key elements. First off, it has to be false. You know, if someone's like, oh, man, that person is, is a total jerk. Well, if you're a jerk, jerk, that's, that's not false, so that's not really <laughs> persecution, all right? So it's got to be false. It's got to be something that isn't true about you. And the second thing, it's on my account in Christ's name. So a lot of you, you're like, man, I'm going through such a hardship. Like, my finances are so hard, and I'm just getting persecuted. It's like, well, no, you spend too much on credit cards. Like, that's not in Christ's name. Oh, man, I'm so hungover today. I'm just getting persecuted with this headache. No, you drank too much last night. Like, it's not talking about that. It's, oh, these people, they, they say all sorts of mean things about me, but when I show up to work, I'm a total jerk. You know, some guy flipped me off while I was driving. I may have cut him off. Well, that, that's your fault. That's your fault. This isn't people persecuting you because they saw a sticker and made some assumption, oh, they must be Christians. I hate them. No. The the point is, is that this persecution, for us to be blessed in it, it has to be false, and it has to be on, on Christ's account. Now, here's the thing. We've already established that I, apart from Christ, you, apart from Christ, are incapable of doing any good. So anything in my life that I do that is a step to Christ is done by His Holy Spirit in me. So any act of living out my faith is righteousness and therefore worthy of being persecuted for. See now, here's the thing. Jesus goes right from here into salt and light. This idea that, that we live our lives in a different way, that we can be the light that points to Christ. Well, here's the thing, guys. If you are of Christ, if you, if you live with Him, you, you're gonna, you're gonna show, your spirit is gonna lead you in some of these beatitudes and persecution will happen because here's what happens and you've seen it if you go out into a, a, a bar and you decide not to drink people will, oh come on just drink one more I'm not saying you just say well you know what I uh, want to just tell you a sermon I, I had one time no it just you say I just don't you know what the, the Bible tells me to obey God and you actually obey people will make fun of you for that that is persecution the problem is sometimes we try and get high and mighty and self-righteous and that, then it loses its point but persecution happens but see, here's the thing. And he says, and he, he lines up, which I love Jesus does. He says, just like they persecuted the prophets before you. Now, this would have been key because the Jewish leaders and, and anyone of the Jewish sent, like, they idolized. They were the heroes. The prophets before him was like, oh, they were heroes. In fact, when Jesus first came, it's like, is this Elijah? Is this, who is this? He's one of the prophets re, re, reinvented in front of us, reincarnated in front of us. And they idolized him. He said, look, you will be persecuted just like them. Just like them. And then he gives us two promises, which I think are key in this. And it's interesting that, that in our persecution, he, he decides at the end of this to not only give you one blessing, but, 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 or one promise, but two promises. And the first promise is, he says, the same thing he said after the first beatitude. Remember, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he says it again here. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are persecuted in righteousness' sake. You're in, you're, you are a portion. You get an aspect. You live in a presence of his kingdom now. And the kingdom of God is, is, is what broke in when Jesus arrived on earth. It's what came in. It's, it's, you see Jesus praying, God, your kingdom be on earth as it is in heaven, meaning it's not entirely here, but there are aspects and portions of his kingdom in present day today. And we, as his followers, get to be the usher of that kingdom day in and day out today until someday Jesus comes back and, and removes all brokenness and it destroys all, and, and defeats all brokenness and makes everything the way it was supposed to be. And this is a promise. Look, if you are in Christ, if you live righteously because of the spirit inside of you, you will be persecuted, but yours is the kingdom of heaven. It's again, and I love this, we see this over and over and over again in the Bible, it's stop focusing on the moment and fix your eye on the prize, fix your eye on Christ. See, it's our love for him that allows me to try and be obedient today. I don't try and be obedient as some acts or laws. I, I seek to be obedient because the Holy Spirit is leading me to be like Christ, but because I love him. And I only love him because he first loved me. That's the first promise. And the second promise is, is one that I think most of us struggle with, and it's this, there are future rewards in heaven. It seems very crass to serve God for some promise of reward. Like, I don't want my daughters to only eat their dinner if I promise them dessert, right? Like, I want them to eat dinner because they know it's good for them. I don't want them to do something for me just because I told them to. I want them to do something for me because they love me. And because they love me, they know that loving me is obeying me. And that's the same thing with Christ. Like, I can't live my life just in hopes that he's going to give me some future reward. But here's the interesting thing. Jesus says, There's rewards. There's rewards in heaven. I don't know, like, maybe you, you picture ho-ho. I joked, in the first, or I joked in the first service that ho-hos was my reward. Like, you're going to get a bunch of extra ho-hos because I think they're awesome, and in heaven you don't gain weight. Um, no. <laughs> I, I don't know what your reward is, but there's some, there's some promise of a reward here, some promise. And he does this over and over again in the Sermon on the Mount where he's saying, look, don't look for rewards or, or well done or attaboys here on earth because your rewards are in heaven. And I don't know what that looks like, but he says, this reward is great. And one of the things that I had a mentor once tell me is anytime Jesus describes something with an extra word or he shows an emotion, pay close attention. And Jesus said that this reward is great. It's great. So so he says, look, you're gonna be persecuted. People are gonna utter all kinds of evil against you falsely and they're gonna revile you and they're gonna persecute you on my account, but your reward in heaven is great. And it seems, like I said, it seems crass to want to work for something, some kind of future reward, like it turns Jesus Christ's grace into a currency, which we know is not the case. But see, even Jesus looked to the reward in heaven. In fact, we know that because the author of Hebrews 12, two says, talking about our faith, like we need to, the, the author and perfecter of our faith, we look to Jesus. He's the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set when? Before him, he endured the cross. See, see, Jesus... The, the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So something in Jesus was longing to be with, with God again. And it's, it's obvious, right? He loved him. He loved God. He endured the cross. He endured the worst kind of suffering and pain so that you and I could have a right standing with him. But he, he was able to do it because of what was set before him. Being with God in heaven. See, I don't think that our reward's going to be ho-hos or, or Twinkies if they even make them anymore. Um, or any of that stuff, our reward is, is more of God. Our reward is having more of Him. And Jesus obeyed God to, to the fine letter, didn't mess up one bit, but He longed to be back with Him in His presence. See, so there's some kind of reward that, that comes from us in acting in this. We'll actually talk more about that as we get further in the Sermon on the Mount. And then Jesus does the one command of all of them in the, in the in the Beatitudes, and that's the, the word be glad. He says rejoice. He says rejoice and be glad. It's, a, it's an interesting term. It's used in another spot in the Bible, but, but it, it's, it's kind of interesting to me that he says, look, it's going to be really, really hard. Life, you're going to suffer. It's going to be so difficult, but be happy. Like, Don't worry, be happy. It's going to be great, right? Because of why? Because of the reward in heaven, because yours is the kingdom of heaven now. See, but he, he commands us to be glad. In fact, we see the same statement in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Don't be surprised when it gets hard, guys. We shouldn't be surprised. As if something, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad. There it is again. When his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for, my na- for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of the glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. This word Christian, we throw it around. That's the only time it's used positively in the Bible. Two other times it's used as, oh, you're one of those Christians. But he says, look, if you suffer right here in the name of Christ, be very, 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 very glad. Be super happy. That's, that's how that translates. It's this, this overjoy, this, this joy that is, is shown externally. You can't hide it. You're rejoicing so much. It seems almost weird to do that. And Peter uses the same precursor. He says, if you're suffering because of a, as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, and I love that he puts meddler in here. Someone sticking their nose in someone else's business or a murderer, like apparently those are par, right? <laughs> but he says, if you're suffering of those, yeah, it's nothing. But if you're suffering for Christ, there's good news. And he says there's three promises in this. One is, we suffer with Christ. That means I get to suffer with him. It makes us look more like Christ you ever noticed how in some of the hardest things in your life, you come out looking more like Christ? Some of the most difficult things you go through at the end, you're like, man, I, I see God more clearly now. And then he promises the same thing, a reward in heaven. So there's this precursor. There's this promise of suffering or persecution. And I had, to, I had to ask the question, is this happening today? Because you and I sit in, you, well, you sit in fairly comfortable chairs. I've got a pretty comfy one up here, guys. Um... And we sit here, and, and really, we're not suffering. We're not really struggling much. I mean, maybe some of us are going through some hardships, but again, most of our hardships are because of our own doing. Like, we're really struggling financially because we made poor choices financially. We're really struggling in our relationships because we're selfish. Right? We, we have some hardships in life, but it's because we, we choose flesh or the world over God and His Spirit. So is this happening today? And you, you know, what's funny is you don't have to look very far for persecution. In fact, persecution, intense persecution. Pastor Saeed, if you heard about him, he's a local pastor that was in the summer of 2012, was arrested in Iran. You know, in his time in Iran, in, in that area, he started a 1,000 underground churches. He's now, just in, just in October, he got moved to a horrible prison. And he's got a term of eight years right now, separated from his family. All because he was a Christian. In fact, you know what? This is a statistic that blows me away. In the last 100 years, so the last 100 years, 100 million Christians have been killed in the name of Christ. That is more people than all of our wars combined have died in the name of Christ in the last 100 years. September 23rd, 85 Christians were killed at a church in Pakistan by a suicide bomber. Syria, seven were killed by a gunman as he walked into a church and and started picking people off. The Muslim Brotherhood started burning Christian churches in Egypt. In fact, they just burned back in September the oldest continually active Christian church since the third century. In fact, right now, 200 million Christians worldwide suffer extreme persecution, which is death or dangerous imprisonment. 200 million Christians... 400 million suffer moderate persecution in the world. Hardship, bad treatment, discrimination, some of their rights taken away. So yeah, this is happening today. But most of us don't really feel this. I mean, maybe we can spend some time praying for Pastor Saheed and his family. Pray for our brothers and sisters that are, that are smuggling one page of the Bible underground so they could just get a little bit of God's word while we let six or seven Bibles collect dust on our shelves. But most of us don't feel it. So was Jesus lying? Does this mean that he was that we aren't Christians? I think someone's. Well, I'm just not a Christian. If you're not feeling it, no, I don't think either. That's the case. See, I think there's this big question, and I, you know, I hope, I hope in my life, if someone came out to me at some point, and and maybe our rights will be taken away from us someday in America, and it'll be a lot harder here or not. But but I hope if someone held a gun to my head and said, "Denounce Christ or die," I really hope I'd pass that test and just say, you know what, you're gonna have to kill me. Someone put a gun to my wife's wife's head to denounce Christ or she dies. I, I love you, babe, but I, I hope that you'd understand my kids, right? Like, like, I hope I'd pass that test. But here's the question. As I started thinking about that, maybe it would, and we could play this what if. Well, you know, maybe, it, maybe I should just pack up my bags and move to Syria and start trying to do it there and put myself more in danger so I can feel this persecution. Maybe that's the case. But then I started thinking about the little tests that you and I get daily, See, if, if, if I'm called to live a, a righteous life and the spirit inside of me is leading me in that, that means that I'm going to make choices that don't make sense to this world. That means I'm going to make choices to, to not get drunk that night. And one of my friends may make fun of me for that. And although that seems nothing in comparison to denounce Christ or die, that's still persecution. But as I started thinking about those little tests, I, I started getting a little antsy in my seat because I think we fail those little tests daily. See, some of us, we, we're we're so afraid that we're in a relationship. Your boyfriend, and girlfriend, and you guys cannot keep your hands off of each other. You know what God's word says, but one, you're both afraid to, to try and lead in that because you're afraid that they won't love you anymore, or you're afraid that, that they might start making fun of you, or they'll 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 break up with you. Well, hey, that's persecution. Blessed are you. So it comes, kind of hits it in the head right here at the end. If you run from suffering or persecution, then do you really understand God's love for you? See, because I can, I can try and be obedient all day long, but if it's, if it's without love, it's pointless. Just like my daughters can obey me all day long. They can be little robots, but I, I want them to love me first, and I want them to obey because of that. Some of you, you, you know, you're, you're at work, and you're doing the same cheating things that your coworkers are working, are doing. Cause, oh well, everyone does it. That's a spot for you to stand in righteousness. Not be self-righteous and look it down. I'm like, look at me, I'm so holy. You just missed the whole point, <laughs> okay? But it's an opportunity to be who God intended you to be. It's an opportunity for His Spirit to make you look more like Jesus. So as I started thinking, maybe maybe I will. I hope all of us would stand the test. I hope all of us would be able to stand like Pastor Sahid and say, "You're gonna have to imprison me. I'm not. I'm not." I'm not going to not claim that. My wife and kids will understand that. They know I love Jesus. Uh, maybe all of us would stand that test, but here's the question. Do you pass those little tests daily? You pass those little tests when God calls you to be obedient and you're afraid what someone may or may not think about you. I'm not talking about being some kind of crazy person that makes everyone feel awkward, <laughs> but let me, let me promise you this. The more you look like Christ, those who are in darkness will feel a little awkward around you. They will feel a little uncomfortable. You know what's interesting to me is is in the church we're really bad at this with each other. You know someone starts getting healthy and start working out a little bit and you, we make fun of them. <laughs> okay, you're going to eat healthy, ha <laughs> It's like God tells us to take care of our body. Now I understand you can idolize that, but, but what, shouldn't we be encouraging people that are looking more like Christ? You know, I, I, someone just chooses to say, you know, I'm not, I, I got to spend some time. I didn't read my Bible this morning. I'm going to read it tonight. Oh, you're so holy. Good job. Read your Bible. We're mean to each other. And you, you know what that is? That's the flesh in us that doesn't like being called out. See, when we see light, it's, it's, it's bright and it's hard and it's, it's easy for us to want to push away from it. But see, the Spirit of God inside of us is calling us to live more like him. And here's the promise that comes from that. Life's going to be hard. You're going to get persecuted. People are going to make fun of you. You're going to look different. People may even gossip about you. That's probably about the worst we're going to get. Maybe someone will say something mean to us to our face. They'll say something bad about us behind our back. Most of us probably aren't going to have a life or death situation. Some of us may get passed up for job promotions because we choose not to cheat or lie. Not because we're self-righteous, but because God's spirit inside of us is calling us to be more like. Christ. The Holy Spirit is compelling us to live like Christ. To live like salt and light in the dark world. Do you stand the test? Are you willing to suffer or be persecuted for Christ's name? I gonna. The Josh is going to come up and we're going to sing some more. And I'm going to leave you with a quote. I just thought it was interesting because I think A lot of us, we hear sermons like this. We hear things, and like, yeah, I should do this more. You know, I'm convicted, and you you kind of feel bad, and maybe you want to hide in it, or you want to just kind of feel like it's just I need to be more noble, or I need to I need to follow the law more. again, Jesus has spent this entire time just in the beatitudes, pointing again to our heart, our heart, our heart. Look at your heart. Your heart's the issue. Your heart, not your actions. The heart will dictate the actions. And he keeps going back and back and forth. And I love what Oswald Chambers said. He's got it up on the screen for you. He says, when, when you begin to deport yourself amongst men as a saint, they will leave you absolutely alone. You will be reviled and persecuted. No man can stand that unless he is in love with Jesus Christ. See, he cannot do it for a conviction or a creed, but he can do it for a being whom he loves. Devotion to a person is the only thing that tells devotion to death to a person not devotion to a creed or a doctrine. See, I'm never going to be willing to suffer or be persecuted if I'm not in love with Jesus Christ. It's just going to seem asinine to do. It's going to seem ridiculous to live a righteous life if I don't love Jesus. And therefore, I'll look for comfort and simple all day long, and I'll run from the very things that make me more like Christ, the very things that bring blessing, as as our King and Savior promised. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for... Your word, and I pray for um, those in the room right now, specifically that are suffering or in a hardship because of just their own poor choices. been uh, wrestling, their relationship is, is messed up because they're selfish. They're, they're struggling financially because they just keep making poor decisions. They can't seem to kick an addiction. God, I just, I just pray for your, your grace in that situation. I pray that you'd remind them that your grace is lavished on them, that your grace is sufficient, that they're not outside of your reach. God, would you remind them that um, there's a better way to suffer? There's a way to suffer for you? Yeah, for those of us in the room that just love our comfort and run from discomfort and run from things, when you call us to obedience, we just try and hide behind, oh, that person's just being legalistic, God, would you remind us of your love? Or would you remind us that you were obedient, that your son was obedient to death on the cross in my place? <coughs> and for our brothers and sisters that are suffering and persecuted around this world, would you bring them your peace and your comfort? Would you remind them that that it is worth fighting? God, would you help them to hold strong, to finish the race that's set before them? And Father, for us that, that, that are gonna have small little tests, God, may we do it and not ruin it by being self-righteous, but may we do it in a way that brings incredible glory to you. And God, would you allow us to be persecuted? And would you allow us to, to be reviled, people to utter all kinds of evil things against us not for not for anything that i've done but for everything that you are in me god would your spirit lead us to be more like you and father i just pray again i pray that maybe you would just make us a little bit more uncomfortable and god i'm sure in a room this size there's plenty of things that there's plenty of little tests that we've even failed this last week god Would you remind us that your love is still sufficient? You're not standing there looking at us um, with shameful eyes. But God, would you give us the strength to pass that test? And God, would you remind us of the immense blessing that comes when we are persecuted in your name? It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.